Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 262. Royal Caribbean's $120 million makeover of Mariner of the Seas is turning heads and getting more people than ever taking a weekend getaway cruise on this fabulously updated ship. There's a lot to love about what Royal Caribbean added to Mariner of the Seas, and so this week, we're going to be talking about what was added and what stands out about Mariner of the Seas. Here we go. In the entertainment industry, pundits and critics like to declare which movie is the movie of the summer or the movie of the year because it is the far and away standout must-see film of the time. And in cruising, I think we sometimes get something similar with cruise ships. And while the attention often goes to new ships, revitalized cruise ships can sometimes sneak in and grab the spotlight, much like maybe an indie film in the movies. This summer... Royal Caribbean went all out with an epic upgrade to Mariner of the Seas, infusing $120 million to make her the de facto getaway ship of the summer from Miami. The result has been a home run with guests, as so many people have booked cruises on Mariner of the Seas already, and this week I wanted to talk about what makes Mariner so darn fun. Joining me back on this podcast this week is not only a friend, fellow New Englander, and appreciator of getting a photo of a bar with no one in the shot, but... He also milks those precious vacation days to get the most cruises in like no other. I'm talking about Don from EatSleepCruise.com. Welcome back, Don. Wow, thanks, Matt. That is such an unbelievable introduction. I appreciate it. Anytime. I, I am always amazed by the, the – just so you guys are aware, when you know we all get on a roller cream and chip, we're excited, we're happy – we're overjoyed. Mm-hmm. This guy will literally run around the ship getting photos of all these <laughs> venues before people go there. And you know what? I laughed the first time I heard it, too. It's a really good idea. It's the only way to really get it done. It's that or you wake up really early in the morning, like 5.30, 6 a.m., and when those early morning people are doing the wind jam or whatever, you're down in the promenade where there's no one there getting those pictures as well, too. Well, waking up early, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Don just came back from Mariner of the Seas taking a quick – you did the three-night cruise, right, the, the weekender? We did. As you said, we got to maximize those vacation days. So we were only able to really take that Monday off and squeeze in some work on the ship Friday and coordinated our schedules to make the weekend cruise possible. Yeah, so – this is a real. What I love about this, the idea of offering Mariner of the Seas, is historically Royal Caribbean has not offered "quote unquote" big ships for weekend cruises. They've been, mm-hmm. you know, as far as I can go back, as at least the start of the blog, you've had ships like you know Monarch of the Seas, Mariner of the Seas, Enchantment of the Seas, offering these three night cruises, the weekend one, the ones that start on like a Friday and then end right on Monday so you can get back to work in time. And, you know, this has been something that Royal Caribbean is always relegated to its older, smaller ships. Nothing wrong with them. They're certainly fine and fun. And Don and I have both taken cruises on those kinds of ships, and it's great. But I've always felt like it was something missing in Royal Caribbean's repertoire because so many people that are new to cruising tend to gravitate towards those short sailings, which is something I think is a mistake, quite frankly. But that's another discussion for another podcast. That being said, <laughs> when Royal Caribbean announced that they were not only going to offer Mariner of the Seas doing three-night cruises, but also a major refurbishment, I was like, finally, this makes sense. And, you know, I was following along your adventures, Don, and, and I was reading what other people were doing, obviously, in the uh-huh. in these weeks and months since Mariner re-debuted. And it looks like it's like a perfect combination. I mean, what's your take on Mariner doing a three-night cruise? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. We have done a couple of those other three-day cruises on enchantment and majesty and they're great we love royal caribbean too but yeah you feel 
especially as fans of the Freedom class, Quantum class, Oasis class, you just feel when you go on those ships, like this isn't the, the Royal Caribbean experience I'm used to. That's totally changed now with Mariner. So I kind of agree with you too as far as people who've never been on a cruise. If you put them on one of those older ships and they don't know what to expect, that they may not get the same excitement we get from cruising. So now with Mariner, I'd have no problem talking to some folks who've never been on a cruise saying, if you want to try out Royal Caribbean and you only have a few days to take off, Mariner of the Seas, no doubt, should be the ship you test out. Awesome. Well, there's so much that they added to Mariner mm-hmm. of the Seas. I mean, a lot of new venues, some redone venues, and everything in between. Let's talk about, I mean, what's, what stands out in your mind? What's the thing that really you think back on now on your Mariner cruise? What are some things that really stood out to you as really cool options on sh- on the ship? There's so much. So there's some stuff that's new to Mariner, but we've seen on some of the newer ships like the water slides, right? The perfect storm. So they added those, which were really popular with people. The new sky pad, which has gotten a lot of attention. And I think there's also one now on Independence, too. That is really cool. It it's definitely has a line. So we are those people, as you mentioned, we run to take pictures on the ship. We... According to the cruise compass, the thing opened at 2.30, and they had five past two, first person in line, because I know at 2.30, that line is going to be an hour, hour and a half deep. Yep. That is, we- But it's well worth it. We waited, like I said, about 25-ish minutes, literally the first people that of the session. And it takes us some getting used to, but for a complimentary experience, that's the other thing we like, too. A lot of the stuff they added to Mariner or enhanced is complimentary. It's part of your cruise fare, unlike some other cruise lines lately who are adding these really cool features, but then charging you a little bit more additional if you want to actually use them on the ship. Um, Oh, shots fired. I (laughs) I didn't name names. (laughs) Didn't name names. Just saying. uh, To each their own, but you see all these great things in the commercials, and then that does kind of stink, right? If you get on the ship and you say, oh yeah, by the way, this is going to be X amount more. And you're like, what? I'm on the cruise to do this. But no, the Skypad is well worth the wait. We've done the water slides. We're like big kids. They added the Flow Rider, which of course is popular. It's been on a lot of the ships. What would they come out with the Freedom Class? You would know more than me. Yeah, the- it's been around. For, it's been around for such a long time now. It's uh, it's funny to think about that. It's it's been a while, but yet it has been a while. I don't know. Yeah, but it's yeah. Uh, it's been it's been a bit. And that's fun. I didn't do it on this cruise actually. Just didn't have enough time, and I also didn't want to make too much of a fool of myself falling off of that thing as i normally tend to do anyway so but that's there for people and it it helps disperse the crowds too so we definitely liked the new enhanced sports deck and then of course you mentioned drinking and eating that that seems to be a lot of the things we do on cruises too so some of those new venues we really loved as well let's talk about some of those venues because there's some ones that look are really interesting in fact some new ones here let's talk about the bamboo room uh this is a a new bar lounge whatever you want to call it that it's supposed to have this like kind of like uh kind of a throwback vibe with like a tiki bar essentially is what it is mm-hmm. what was your take on it what did you what you think of the bamboo room we definitely liked it we we were there i think at least three times to test out the the cocktail menu because that's what you need to do it, the location at first we were kind of surprised they, they were going to put on the promenade we thought with the actual decor and setup maybe they would be better near the pool deck or something but they did a really great job of how they designed the space so you kind of walk in they have these bamboo rods that protect you so you don't really see the promenade so you're in there it does feel like you're away from things and i don't give away too much but there's some interactive features that you're in there so definitely pay attention to some of the art when you're in there and we did we tried out all the specialty cocktails which i think you just wrote about recently uh they are a two dollar upcharge so if you have the, the drink package 
you do need to pay the $2, but they come in fancy glasses, and they're definitely worth the $2. So we spent a good amount of time there. Uh, we really um, enjoyed do you have a recommend? What's your go-to drink at the Bamboo Room? I liked the Royal Zombie. That's kind of their signature one. And then the white – I also did the Swizzle. And I'm trying to think what Heidi had. It had the shaved ice in it. I honestly – if I had the menu in front of me, which I do have a picture of somewhere, but I don't have it in front of me, <laughs> I can let you know. But, yeah, I mean the Royal Zombie was well worth it. And they do have some other cocktails that are $12, so they're unique to that venue and they're with the drink package, but if you want to go with those specialty cocktails with the fancy glasses, they are a little bit more. But it's three days, so if you rack up an extra f- six or eight dollars worth of drinks at the Bamboo Room, it's not going to make or break your trip. Right, and I just want to um, explain maybe uh, for those who are unaware, what Don's talking about is if you have the deluxe beverage package mm-hmm. on Mariner this season, includes drinks up to twelve dollars per drink, and there are some drinks, they're signature drinks primarily, if I'm not mistaken. Go up to they're priced at fourteen dollars, and in that situation, you pay the difference for it. But of course, if you were to go in there and say, "Can I get a rum and coke?" You know, or a, I don't know, martini or something like that. That usually is fine. It's just you know, it's those special drinks that get you a little bit over. You can pay the difference on that. So just something to be aware of when you have the drink package. Yeah, no, my apologies. Yeah, definitely. So just look, the prices are there, and as I mentioned, they do have their own. They're not called specialty cocktails, but they do have some other cocktails that are unique to that venue that are totally within there. So you can, you don't have to worry about spending more money if you don't. And then they do have a couple beers and wines and other drinks, as, as Matt mentioned, that are totally within within the package. But it is definitely fun, and the decor is, is exactly as you expect it. And we that's actually, I think, where we got our second drink of the ship because we said we need to go there and try it out before it gets too busy. And it actually wasn't too busy during – during like the middle evening we always eat early we're those people so (laughs) (laughs) so i'm sure after the eight o'clock seating or the later seating got out it definitely was busier but if you sneak in early maybe pre-dinner drink for those late eaters you should have no problem getting a table cool how about playmakers what do you think is the playmakers sports bar playmakers and and actually the other thing is where is it on on mariner so Playmakers is also in the Promenade. It's right across from the Cafe Promenade, which has the sandwiches. And even though it's not labeled, they have the pizza station like a Sorrento. So it's right across there on the port side. Okay, cool. Yeah. And what you, what you think about it? We, we went there, and we, we tried the food there, and we went there a couple times for drinks. So the drink menu is just uh, – you don't go there for the drink menu. They have okay. a few different beers for us guys. Of course, my wife likes her cocktail, so their cocktail menu, maybe not the most inspired – but we did enjoy the food. This is one addition to the ship that does have upcharges. So if you, it's an a la carte menu. We did test it out. We did the nachos, which were passable. And then the buffalo wings, medium. They had some kick to them. They were, they were actually really good. Okay. What, what was the um, – how about the TVs? I mean I, I, I don't know if you watched any games, but like could you watch – I know you're a Red Sox fan. No one's perfect. Guys. <laughs> but uh, could you like – I mean, And Patriots like- fans. Double. Yeah. <laughs> but it's baseball season, so were you, like, were there a lot yeah. of games on, or was it cricket and soccer and, and underwater basket weaving? We didn't ask to change the channel, but yeah, it was a lot of European sports on. So they do have a bunch of TVs on the walls, behind the bar, basically everywhere. But I'm sure you could have asked. It was kind of busy, and I think people were there more to shoot some pool or play some fo- uh, foosball or have drinks okay. and stuff. No one was really watching the TV. But I'm sure if it was playoffs for baseball or whatever season you were in and enough people are in there, they definitely would have changed it. But it was also in the afternoon when we went for snacks. So 
it wasn't like a big game. Yeah, definitely a different vibe, whereas if it was a Saturday night and big game for whatever sporting event. But yeah, it wasn't it was <laughs> you laugh, but it was actually football and cricket were on. <laughs> <laughs> so I say uh, soccer, football for ev- for everyone else. So soccer and <laughs> cricket was on. Sorry. There you go. Nice. What are some other uh, venues that you tried on on board Mariner? So we also did some of the new specialty dining that's new to the ship. So we actually didn't eat at all in the main dining room, which is a rarity for us. We usually almost always go to the main dining room on Royal. It's one of the things we, we like about the Royal experience. But given they added some new venues to the ship, we decided to do all specialty. So we sure. did the new Jamie's Italian, Ooh. which we've been to on the Quantum class. How did you think it compared to that to your previous experiences at Jamie's? I think it was it was on par. We, there were some things we really liked. The dessert was amazing. The plank is always good, and then other things that were just okay. The service yeah. was was great. We really liked the location, so it's right in front of the Windjammer. So it had all these windows. You had a nice view uh, on the of from the restaurant. So and the, the decor was nice. We had never nice. been to. I think it was a Giovanni's most recently. We had never actually been to been to one on a that class of ships i don't know what it used to look like but inside was really modern and and funky kind of like the jamie's on on the quantum class nice where else did you eat yeah and then we also did the hibachi experience in izumi which was also new for us yeah i've done it on harmony and really liked it a lot um and quite frankly everyone seems to enjoy the the hibachi on the other ships in the fleet mostly the oasis class so having this on mariners quite an upgrade what'd you think of that we enjoyed it. We did. We've done this before on land and some other cruise lines, and we think it definitely uh, was on par, if not better. The, the chefs were really engaging, telling jokes, and doing the trick. So, for folks who don't know, it's kind of a Japanese style teppanyaka restaurant where they make the food right in front of you. And I think Royal's menu is probably better than some of the other lines out there. They had some more options you could choose from depending on your taste. I do have a food allergy, which they accommodated perfectly, so no worries there. And they also had lobster, which was actually really good. I've never had lobster at a this kind of hibachi-style restaurant before, so they actually make it really simple, and it was delicious. So it, definitely worth it. We pre-booked everything, too. We're those kind of crazy people. So we we had all those reservations in advance and could plan everything out. But definitely those additions to the Mariner were, were well worth it. Nice. And uh, that's two dinners, so I'm missing one more dinner. Where, where else did you eat? We did eat at Chops. Oh, a classic. Which I, don't, which I don't believe is new, right? They've had that on the ship for a while. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's been there. So uh, you're good on that one. Yeah. Uh, did you and we try liked it. Any- yeah, Chops, right? Yeah, it's Chops, right. We actually don't – I think that's only the second time we've ever been to a Chops. The only other time was on Oasis, I believe. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, what about some of the other experiences? Did you get a chance to do any of the – I mean, three nights, and the only problem with three nights is that it's you know, a limited amount of time, so much to do. They also added uh, the laser tag, the escape room. You mentioned the flow rider as well. Um, any, any of those things did you were able to squeeze in? Uh, we tried to. So I think one thing – because, of course, we go to the, your blog to try to find the compasses and, and elsewhere on the interwebs. I think they're still kind of playing around with things because they actually said – the laser tag was going to be open one day, and it wasn't. And we sh- we should have known better, honestly, because we had never seen anywhere else that it was open on the last day. But they printed that it was. So we're like, all right, perfect. We didn't get to do it the first night because it was open the first day for a lot of – it was open from it was open during the day, closed for a couple hours, and opened again at night. And I wasn't going to go play laser tag after eating a steak at Chops. So 
<laughs> but then we saw it was going to be open that last day. We're like, perfect, we'll get to do it. But it, it wasn't. So we didn't get to do the laser tag. And then we didn't get to do the escape room either. And I'm going to be 100% honest on this one. You know me, Matt. We were, we were going to do it. But then they doubled the price of it. And I was like, um, we've, def- we've done it before on Anthem, which was cool. We did it on Harmony, which is really cool. I, we, there was just so much other stuff to do on the ship, and they doubled the price. I, I looked at the wife. I'm like, we're going to be on the ship again. We already know we're going to come back on this probably next year when Perfect Day Coco K is done. We'll do it then. So, And honestly, yeah. we didn't hear anyone talk about it. It's where the chapel used to be. So it's really tucked away on deck what was that deck 14 or 15? And yep. it was roped off the whole time. So I even tried, as you mentioned, I like to take pictures. I tried to jump the little barrier to get up that flight of stairs <laughs> to see if it was open, and it wasn't. So I don't even know how many games were played of it, and, and I didn't talk to anyone who did it. My understanding with it, and this is true, the fleet wide, is that the price has gone up primarily as a means of crowd control. That it was just getting too popular. So they're trying to thin out the crowd so to speak by and clearly it worked in your case because they I was saying, if you thinned it out too much on this particular cruise yeah. and that's saying maybe maybe there were more people and just the way our schedules worked but those sure. are those are fun we definitely like i said we're going to get back on mariner we would definitely do it again because it does sound like a cool theme the observatory i think observatorium it's going to be it's called um it, but with three days and it's really only two full days so two and a half days it is tough to fit everything in on the ship yeah no absolutely uh, what kind of room did you have on this on this uh, sailing? So we use uh, another shameless plug for the Royal Caribbean credit card. We used our rewards points, so you had to get at least an ocean view or better to redeem that. And given the pricing, we just did what a guaranteed balcony, and mm-hmm. we ended up getting what they consider the spacious balcony on deck ten. And it was plenty of room, plenty of space for a three day cruise. We were able to dump all our stuff of wherever we needed it to and and it was perfectly located one deck below the pool deck and the wind jammer and then a couple decks just above the promenade so it worked out what did you uh you know unrelated to mariner necessarily but what did you think of the guarantee room idea would you do it again we yeah we would we've done guarantees one other time and for the actually we did the guarantee ocean view when we redeemed our rewards points on majesty Okay. And it worked out fine. We ended up getting like a mid midship ocean view on on that cruise last year. This one was a little bit more aft than we normally would get for a room, but it was perfectly fine. So I know the whole pricing structure works differently too now with the non-refundables and, and all the different promotions that Royal Caribbean is running. So if, for, if folks are – if you know you're going to do the cruise, I think the guarantees are a way to go, right, because you get that better rate – but is non deposits non refundable? I believe with us it didn't matter. We booked it within thirty days because, as you mentioned, we just MacGyvered our vacation days. Said we're going to do this, and we called them up, called, we booked it, redeemed the points the same day. And I don't know if people have done it before, but they tell you it takes up to two weeks to get the credit. It was two or three days later we already had the credit for redeeming it, so it was not nice. a war whatsoever. Yeah, nice. So looking back on it, Don, what, if someone was going on Mariner for the first time, you know, post refurbishment as well, what are do you have a, a tip or two or some recommendations maybe for going on Mariner of the Seas? Yeah, definitely. So get there early if you can, because sometimes I know folks who are booking this might be local or they're driving to the port. But if you can get there early, you can make use of a lot of things. So that first day, everything was open. The laser tag was open, sky pads open, 
Uh, Flow Rider was open, limited, but it was still open. So when everyone else is getting acquainted with the ship, go use the really popular stuff that first day. So they let us on 11 a.m.-ish, I would say, around there. So if you can coordinate your schedule to get there around that time, then you can take advantage of having a ship basically to yourself for a few hours. And then pre-booking stuff. I know weekend cruises are you want to get away and be carefree, but definitely check the cruise planner. We ended up scoring a 30% discount on the drink package. And then we didn't book any shore excursions, but some of them were on sale. So if you wanted to do shore excursions or tours that you knew you wanted to do through Royal, you could probably get those cheaper too. And then the specialty dining. We, we booked late, so when we got the specialty dining, Chops was going to be our go-to for – they don't call it Formal Night anymore. The uh, Just Says You Like It or, or whatever the, the new name is on the short cruises. And we found out later that a whole party had rented it out for like an event. So it wouldn't have mattered if we booked earlier. But we definitely pre-reserve our restaurants and specialty dining if that's something you know you want to do. Absolutely. By the way, um, related to that, I just thought of that. Since you did three restaurants, did you book a dining package? We didn't, and I know we could have saved money, so slap me on the wrist, but we didn't because the one thing we don't like about Royal, see, I give a compliment and I give criticism, I'm very fair. <laughs> the one thing we don't like about that is you can't pre-book your dining, right? You, they, right? They assign you the dining that first night, and then you have to go make reservations, which I know from reading your experiences is, is fine, and then people don't have issues, you get the restaurants you want, but we were willing to pay the little bit more, I think... The dining package three night would have been like 72 or 75 plus gratuity, something like that for our sailing. We ended up probably paying closer with gratuities to like 100 around there. But we were willing to do that just because my wife in particular is saying that we eat this time at this restaurant. I don't want to have to wait in line and not get what we want, especially when we went for the first first thing we looked at was gone like there were no chops availability when we were booking it she's like no we got to do this now we're not going to get the dining plan but maybe on a longer cruise uh, we're going on another royal caribbean cruise and we'll probably do a couple specialty restaurants with a with a seven day cruise and if you did a shorter dining plan i think we we'd probably try it then because you'd have more flexibility so if they're if day five is gone maybe do a day six you know what i'm saying yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I, and I think your strategy is exactly what's important to know about the dining packages. You know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're like Heidi and you want it to be on this day and at this time, and if that doesn't happen, that's a disappointment. Then absolutely, you did the right thing. You didn't make a mis- there's no there's no mistake. It's just a matter of you know kind of what your style is and what you're looking for, and you know trading saving some money in exchange for trading flexibility maybe isn't what you're looking for. And that that's actually, I think, really good advice. So I appreciate you uh, mentioning that. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's like you said, it's all up to people. And they say, happy wife, happy life. So yep. that's that's what we did here. And then the same thing with well, like the drink packages. We were kind of debating because we are diamond. And there's the diamond lounge and the diamond drinks. But those feel more, res- get a little bit more restrictive. In my opinion, could be wrong. Yeah. Every cruise we go on. So we timed it right. I either saw it on your Twitter or, or, or on Facebook that they were doing one of those cruise planner weekend specials, and that's we got the thirty percent off. And it was it was literally thirty percent. We paid forty seven per person per day for the package, and on board it was sixty three dollars. Yep, it, per person. So it, it's definitely worth the savings if you're going to go to the go to the Bamboo Room, go to Boleros, or go to the Schooner Bar, all the places that have, have those ten and twelve dollar drinks. 
couple of those over the course of the day you easily get to forty seven dollars. Heck yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're looking for more great advice about cruising in general, not just Royal Caribbean, but other cruise lines as well, uh, be sure to check out EatSleepCruise.com. Don does a great job over there taking photos of venues and places <laughs> without anybody in them. Uh, and it's, it's good information there as well. So, Don, always a pleasure to have you on here, and I'm looking forward to uh, having you on here again. Maybe, in fact, I, in fact, we're going to cruise together for the first time, so I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to that even more. Uh, sounds great. Thanks again, Matt. Really appreciate it. Alrighty, let's answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I dive into the Royal Caribbean blog podcast inbox, answer your emails, and if you want to send me your email, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-C-C, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Christine, who's back from a uh, uh, Empress of the Sea sailing, Havana overnight in Cosmel. Here's some thoughts on my first cruise. I remember you saying you like bullet points, so here we go. For Havana, Havana was amazing. We did the Havana in a Day Tour, which was part bus tour and part walking tour through Old Havana. We got to see many nights, and our tour guide was great. She was funny, had great information, and seemed very passionate about the history that she was sharing. I definitely recommend the overnight Havana itinerary. In the evening, we went out to the Tropicana Cabaret, which has operated since 1939. It was an amazing show and an incredible memory. One of the questions before the cruise is whether we... Uh, could go out the second morning without a planned tour. On the ship that hills, yes, we could go out on the following morning without a tour because the U.S. regulations only apply if you were there for the full day. The second morning, we sent uh, we went shopping in the artisan market and continued to explore Old Havana. In terms of Empress of the Seas, our cruise director commented that being on Empress is like traveling back to the 90s, and he's right. The decor and ambiance were a bit dated, but it's a beautiful ship. The cruise director's staff did a great job keeping these activities going despite the smaller space. Being on a small ship, and maybe because a storm was starting to kick up in the Caribbean, we felt the movement a lot on the ship, especially in the evenings and overnight. Luckily, I'm not prone to motion sickness, but definitely something to consider for folks who are sensitive to motion. The quest, what did I just experience? We had a great service, the cruise, and I would definitely am a cruise convert. Thanks for all the great information that you share on the blog and podcast. Christine, thank you so much for the email. Really, really appreciate that. So glad to hear you had a great time. And the uh, the one thing that you mentioned about Havana, you know, it's one of those weird things. Let me put it this way. Neither Royal Caribbean nor Cuba care what you do in Cuba. It's only the U.S. State Department that cares about what you do on there. And when you go to Havana, when you go to Cuba, you don't have to book an excursion. You can just walk off the ship just like any other port and do something there. You just have to keep in mind that you need to adhere to one of the you know things, one of the list of items that the U.S. State Department says you need to do in order to qualify for a visit to Cuba. Now, most of the things on the list are so vague that it can be just construed to be almost anything. And to also put in perspective, when we got off the ship uh, after our cruise going to Cuba for the first time, it's not like anybody stopped us. Or in the, I was actually kind of expecting maybe like customs in the United States to check or verify or ask. It's one of those things. It's, it's like keeping your tax records for like seven years. Theoretically, somebody can come and not and ask about it. And certainly if you're going to like a, you know, if you have a uh, security clearance or something like that with the government, that may be an issue. But... Um, the bottom line is it's not like, you know, someone's, you know, there's not like a, a guard dog and a, somebody holding a gun asking you what you did on there. It's not quite to that level, but you should still, you, you can do things on your own and certainly adhere to one of those regulations. Our next email is from Sharon who writes, my group of ladies are booked for a Trans-Pacific Hawaii cruise in September 2018. Can you please let me know how many formal nights there are plus any theme nights and what they are? Just want to prep as well as we can. Sharon, thank you for jo- thank you for the email on this. I actually, by the way, my parents are going to be on that cruise, so 
Not that you'll see them on there or know who they are, but they're on the same sailing as you, uh, doing the re- repositioning crews over there. And for Royal Caribbean, when you're talking about, I'm not sure exactly how many nights you, your, your cruise is, um, but I'm going to guess it's probably three formal nights, because uh, there's two formal nights on up to, I think, uh, seven or eight or nine nights, something like that. And once you get beyond a certain point, it's just three formal nights. In terms of theme nights, uh, that's hard to know, because you, the only way to really know is you have to look at a past repositioning crews and be able to look at the variations there. Royal, Royal Caribbean does not put that information out there beforehand. So what your best bet is going to be, Sharon, honestly, is probably looking at other Explorer of the Sea sailings and piecing together from past cruise compasses what might be the best idea. Now, certainly, if somebody's listening to this episode and has been on a trans-Pacific cruise, like Explorer of the Seas or otherwise, you might be able to... Actually, I'm not even sure if she's going on Explorer of the Seas. Maybe she's going on Radiance of the Seas or something else. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, definitely post in our show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com uh, to let them know. But you, there's always going to be like... There's going to be like, you know, 60s or 70s night. There's going to be... Uh, I mean, there's going to be formal nights, obviously. Probably like a white-hot party night kind of thing. You know, things of that nature. So... Um, next, we have an email from Allison who writes, I'm a big fan of the blog and podcast. This August, my husband and I will be going on our first Royal Caribbean cruise on Symphony of the Seas for our honeymoon. We've been on Princess in Norwegian, but wanted to go on a Royal Megaship. So when the opportunity came to sail the Mediterranean on the largest cruise ship at sea, we made our reservations faster than you could say YOLO book it. Here's my question. This summer, passengers will be embarking and disembarking from both Rome and Barcelona. We're joining the ship from Rome. How does this work when some passengers are embarking and disembarking and others are getting on or off the ship for the day? Seems like a recipe for confusion, but if they can manage a huge ship for this, this must be a method to their madness. I greatly appreciate any advice on how to manage this unique embarkation situation. Thank you, and thank you for everyone posting the cruise compasses on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. They are invaluable. And actually, they do this on European sailings. In fact, it's not that uncommon. A lot of lines do this, not just Royal Caribbean. Um, and basically, it's just like, believe it or not, it's just like any other disembarkation day. Consecutive cruisers are supposed to get off for a moment. Everyone else gets off for good. If someone was left on board, you can, uh, you'll can you start hearing them being paid, just like you would on other ones. They check for the cabin, etc. Nothing really different there. So there's a, little, there's a few logistical differences, but it's basically like being on a back-to-back cruise, for lack of a better way of explaining it. Uh, that's just the nature of the beast. So if you're on the full sailing, uh, it works out that way. And if you're wondering why they do this way, why they do this kind of particular method where there's uh, two embarkation uh, days, different embarkation days on the ship, it basically allows the cruise lines to source from different markets um, for different areas. So that way, people don't have to necessarily fly to one place. And you know, cost being what they are, it works out. It's a European thing, is the best thing I can just, best thing I can say about it. So uh, don't worry about it, Allison. They'll let you know. One thing Royal Caribbean does really well is it, is convey this kind of information. You'll see, you'll get notifications in your cruise compass, what to do, where to go, where to be, all that important stuff. Definitely a good uh, overviews there. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Next, we have an email from Tyler DJ Kritz. Hi, Matt. I thought I would share my experience on my past cruise on the best of British Columbia cruise, which was a four-night sailing on Explorer of the Seas. This was a unique sailing, as I think it's only offered twice a year, but we found it to be a nice short getaway, which was the perfect length for my son. We sailed from Seattle, Washington, and this was our first time sailing from this port. We opted to stay a few days ahead in Seattle, do some sightseeing, relaxing, so not to be in a rush on embarkation day. We opted to rent a car and then park the car at the ship terminal parking instead of using an Uber. We were headed to Canada after the cruise, so this made the most sense in terms of logistics and convenience. Though a word of advice for anyone parking at the terminal parking, skip the shuttle and walk to the ship. We arrived around 11 a.m. and only two shuttles were available to take us to the ship, and after 40 minutes of waiting, we decided to make the hike. 
even though it may look long. It only took about 10 minutes and was very well marked. Once on board the ship, the ship was in excellent condition, with many of the areas still looking brand new from the 2015 dry dock. We stayed in one of the new panoramic ocean view staterooms, and I think this may be my favorite new stateroom. Though Oasis-class ships are still my favorite class, I really enjoy the ease of getting around the Voyager class. My only complaint on the ship would be the speed of the elevators. Maybe I'm used to the newer Oasis-class, but that we seem to wait forever for one to arrive. We found all the crew to be extremely friendly, and the main dining room staff went above and beyond with our family and my two-year-old son at dinner. Being a toddler and sitting for 90 minutes for dinner can be challenging, but the staff was very engaging with him and even went as far as to take him out of the room a bit and entertain him so we could eat a few bites in peace and quiet. The food on the ship was excellent. We sailed on Oasis in February, and we found the food on Explorer to be a step above. The main dining room menu was the new style menu, but we found it to be very full with lots of options. The Wind Jamaire was open from uh, 10, a, 10 to 12 every night, which is something I don't remember seeing on recent cruises, but I enjoy the wider selection of food at night. There also was fresh coffee at the pool deck until midnight. We did not attend any of the shows due to the short attention span of my son being two years old. We'll do that to you. But the few snippets I was able to catch looked very good. We were used to cruising the Caribbean and did notice that there weren't uh, quite the party atmosphere and planned activities that reflected that. The ship was very quiet after 10 p.m. every night. My only complaint or disappointment for this sailing was the lack of activities and facilities for children under three. I was aware before the cruise that Explorer did not get a nursery on its latest dry dock, but was hoping that the in-room daycare would be available. Due to the recent repositioning, it was not available for that sailing. They said there wasn't enough staff on board to take those requests. Overall, an excellent cruise. She is ready for any cruise coming up. Tyler, thank you so much for the email, dude. And I, first of all, you mentioned the Windjammer being open from 10 to midnight. I don't remember that being the case on when we were on Explorer for the uh, Alaska cruise, but... I could be wrong. I mean, I completely missed that memo. Um, but I'm glad you had a great time on Explorer of the Seas. And, you know, the la- I'll talk about the last part, which, of course, is the activities for children under three. And you knew this ahead of time, Tyler. And, look, it's, it is what it is. You understood it. You're not complaining, but you're just you know, disappointed with it. That's fine. But, again, when you have kids who if – you, if you have kids that are under three years old, my recommendation – I'm going to tell you the same thing, Tyler, is you need to stick – you should really almost always – I know it's a cool itinerary, but – Stick with ships that have a nursery. It makes a major difference uh, having that, not only in the facilities available, but also the activities. And, you know, for uh, for us going on a ship that has a pool, that has a baby pool and has a nursery, it, it was such a big difference maker. Now, granted, now my youngest daughter is uh, older than three. She's three years old, but just you know, not younger than three anymore. So it's a lot easier to get around and make that. We don't have to worry about that necessarily. But I'll tell you, as a parent, or somebody who's dealt with this many times with both my kids, if you, go on a, if you have the choice, go on a ship that has those facilities because it can make a big difference uh, in your life as well. There's no question about it. Uh, let's go to our last email of the day. And it is from Murph, who writes, Hi, Matt. I booked my next cruise for the group cruise, Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise, in March on Mariner of the Sea. Shameless plug here. And the ship had a change of departure, and it affected my incoming flight. Charlotte from MEI Travel was able to help me change my flight to get in at a reasonable time because she knew the travel distance from the airport to the port and when I needed to be on the ship. Thanks for the blog. Keep the great work. Murph, thank you so much for highlighting why it's so important to have a travel agent. And, of course, Murph, Thank you for not only supporting RoyalCareenBlog.com by going on one of our group cruises, but also supporting our, our our sponsor, MEI Travel. That is awesome. I love hearing great things about that. So, all right. I lied. One more email. One more email. Uh, it is from Liz Glissman of Ro- Rolla, Missouri. Writes, hi, Matt. We are former Disney cruisers having cruise concierge on the dream this past June, our third in five years. But alas, they've priced us out of our Alaska cruise market. So while making reservations for our Alaska cruise, of course... I booked two more on Royal Caribbean. Goodbye, Disney. 
to my question. We are booked on ratings of the seas July 19, 2019, Alaska's outbound. We're considering doing the Alaska Cruise Transportation Transfer Bus Service to take us to, Stu- to Seward from Anchorage. They have a transfer that leaves Anchorage right around 1 p.m., stops at a wildlife center, and then arriving at Royal Caribbean around 4.30 p.m. Any idea how Royal Caribbean works that with a mustard drill? Don't want to miss those fun times. Note the sarcasm. Thank you for your wonderful podcast. We have been binge listening now for a month. I started to hear your voice when I'm not listening to the podcast. There's only one cure, another Royal Caribbean cruise booking. <laughs> I love that list. Uh, honestly, I have no idea how that works with the uh, with with the transfer and, and, and mustard drill. I'll tell you this, Liz. Let me put it this way: I wouldn't worry about it because they know where you. They know where you're going to be living for the week. <laughs> they know where to find you. I'm sure they'll figure it out with you. I, maybe someone has experienced that particular scenario. And of course, please feel free to either email me or, or better yet, post it on the show notes at royalcreamblog.com. I mean, look, they they know the deal. They're going to find you. I, I mean, I, the one thing, I, the only thing I can tell you is that for people that do skip the mustard drill, there are some people that do that. Don't do that, by the way. But if you do skip it, and they'll know because they're not going to be at the mustard drill. They hold another one some other time. I forget exactly when it's held, but they'll find you. So I'm not too worried about it, Liz, but it sounds like an awesome itinerary. I got to tell you. And the opportunity to uh, do that, what the, the either the northbound or the southbound is truly the way to do Alaska. I know I didn't do it that first way when I did Explorer this season, this year, but if you got the time, the gumption to fly <laughs> to Alaska and go on those longer flights, it's a great way to do it. So, uh, and I'm so glad to hear you're enjoying the podcast, Liz. And best yet, above all else, goodbye, Disney. Love that. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Don't forget uh, to check out RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and send me your emails, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. My email is Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.